A very warm welcome to our listeners on Behind the Deal, a new podcast series that explores the intricacies of venture capital world along with my co-host Vishnu Priya. For today's episode, we have Sittalwar from Lightbox Ventures. He talks about what makes Lightbox tick. Why is it that they invest in a smaller number of companies and how do they propose to be the founders first call? With a lot of humor in the conversation, we also get to discussing the latest deal with Inarawa founders Amit Malik and Neha Kirpal and how this deal is actually signaling towards a more progressive future. So welcome to Behind the Deal Sid and we do hope you have a great time and you want to meet us in the future. To start off, uh, you've had a very interesting journey. Un- unlike Sandeep, you are an entrepreneur first and you founded Evolve and you were backed by Singapore Technologies in their first investment in the subcontinent. You worked with NIIT, Asia's largest training company, scaled Evolve to 300 employees over 200 countries and sold it to them after 6 years. And then you entered the other side of the table which was investing. Uh, why would you why what drove you to pick venture capital as the next step in your career and what learnings do you still implement as an investor from your entrepreneurial days so i think um as much as i i learned a lot after selling my company to niit um i think i started off as an entrepreneur at ah uh, 23 um i never worked really for a large conglomerate with different operations and um you know um office rules <laughs> which were good for me to learn i sold my company at 30 and so i you know i was young and um i was eager to learn more and i did but i think after you know a, uh, a couple of years uh i, I realized i i large organizations really wasn't for me and um at the time uh Sandeep had been considering you know whether he should kind of start something on his own and so he called me and said you know do you want to do this together um i honestly did not know much about venture uh and to be fair the venture community in 2010 wasn't that robust at all um much more so than when i started and tried to raise money in 2000 but uh still something very very young and so i spent uh time kind of just understanding and learning on the job so to say and i think to a large extent we we uh we tried to see whether we could work together uh but also prove our thesis of wanting to work closer with entrepreneurs um not and and if we were to work closer what would we do and i think one of the things that i'd realized very early on was you know my investors were far away from me and physically as well as mind space wise and so i had very few people i could kind of turn to to ask for advice or even just uh break down in front of or just yell and scream and let my frustrations out on and i wish i had someone and i and i think one of the things that drove me to this philosophy of a small portfolio was well look i can be that person for someone else because 
I know how it feels and they should feel comfortable enough. So my job isn't necessarily to spend time so I can tell them what they should do. My job is that I can spend time so they can get more comfortable with me, um, that they can open up and, you know, have someone there that they can talk to. So I think that was what kind of, and that would then create, give them comfort to be able to build these businesses that, um, that uh, they perhaps would have more difficulty building if they didn't have someone to be able to speak to. So that, that was where I got excited about what, um, what we were going to do. Um, and I definitely much rather spend time with founders and, 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 and startups and that community uh, because that's all I, I knew uh, in, in the beginning part of my career versus uh, being a part of a larger corporation. Though my, I, I loved NIIT. Um, can you put that on speakers just so that, you know, make it like louder? Uh, I don't want anyone there listening to it going, whatever, dude. I, I just want to make, I, I just want to make clear. I love my time there, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. That's great. But then moving on. So that's very interesting. Seth. So what has been, you know, uh, when you started Lightbox, so what was your, what was the thought process in mind? I mean, how will you differentiate? How do you currently differentiate your fund versus the others, right? In terms of, you mentioned you are more operationally involved. But what was the idea to be the key? I mean, the, what was the key differentiating factor at that point in time to start not just another fund, but something in which can deliver more, any such thought process at that point in time? So we had a thesis. I don't think you need to necessarily differentiate as a venture capital fund. I think to uh, to, in, to invite uh, startups to take money. Um, mm. I think what you're trying to do is you're, you're, you're all investing in startups. You're just trying to figure out what your um, skill sets are that are going to give you an opportunity to take advantage um, of, uh, of the ecosystem um, in a way that will then deliver the best results, which is for, for venture is monetarily um, and, and help grow businesses. Is it that you do um, invest in lots of businesses uh, and, and, and see and play the field? Um, is it that you invest in smaller number of businesses? Is it that you... Don't spend any time with entrepreneurs. Just let them be on their own and let them figure it out. Is it that you spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs and actually operationally drive them? There are all kinds of, of firms out there. And I think they all, it comes out of what the founders of those firms or the partnership of those firms enjoy or feel that they enjoy doing and they do well. For us, I think we were always entrepreneurially spirited. Uh, and we, so, but we also knew we were not operationally necessarily um, trying to get involved. And so our thesis was we wanted to be there, uh, as partners to entrepreneurs. And the only way we thought that would be possible is if we invested in a small number of companies, we didn't start off saying we want to invest in a small number of companies. Now, what can we do with those companies? We started off saying we wanted to be closer to the founders who we worked with. But the only way to do that was to be 
invested in a smaller number of companies. And so now if I'm on 15 boards or 10 boards, it's very difficult just from a time perspective. How much time can I possibly spend with an entrepreneur in any one business to get close enough to give them comfort? And so um, we brought that number down. We also felt at that time, and now our, our thinking has changed a little bit, and, and it's, you know, the amounts of money have, have increased. But at the time, we said that although there's a lot of seed investing and angel investing happening, this is 2014, 2015, and there's a bunch of firms that have come up in Series A or the first institutional round of financing, there, and there's a lot of funds that are coming in at a much later stage, there aren't very many companies putting in a, you know, 7 to 10 or $12 million check at that time. And so if we have a fund large enough um, that would normally put money in 20 companies, but we're only going to put money in seven, then those seven companies can get a whole lot money, more money from us. And that will help them in their pursuit to build their business rather than having for them to go out and look for more and more money at times when they're running out. And it would give us also the ability to spend even more time with these businesses, understanding the businesses, getting more comfort and confidence in the businesses in order to continue to put that money in. So it was, a, we felt a win-win between the time we spent and the money we had to support the businesses as a result of having a concentrated portfolio. Does that make sense? It does. Sid, we're just wondering that you say the light box was very keen on being operationally deep and focused on a small number of companies. But how do you achieve this without compromising on the founder's vision, seeing that your interest is always going to be linked to liquidity? So we're not operationally deep. We, we want to spend, we spend our time learning about the business. At a high level, um, businesses are sound, vague. And in a country like India, there are so many nuances to how, what, what, what makes a industry click and where the lacune is that you are trying to kind of maneuver into and then fix something that's going to solve a problem for lots of people. Understanding that takes time. It takes effort. It takes um, uh, an, an ability to be able to want to learn. Uh, it takes patience. And I think those are the kind of attributes that we wanted to be able to bring into this business. Um, not here to listen to a pitch in 30 minutes and say, Hey, here's $20 million. I'd, I'm not even sure how I would do that. Um, now we take some time with our businesses in with, with, with our investment, uh, process. Now, some of that time is just to understand the business and, and peel the onion of the industry and understand that. But the majority of that time really is to get to know the founder, not because I want to operationally tell the founder how he should run or she should run their business um, or, uh, you know, try to explain to them how much I understand 
their industry and and what I should be, you know, and how they should be listening to what I have to say and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it's for us to see whether we can get along. Can we have breakfast in the morning? Can we have dinner in the evening? Have you met my family? Have I met your family? Can we travel together? Can you come to my office and talk? Can I come to your office and talk? I'm not making a suggestion to see whether they'll be like, yeah, yeah, Sid, that's a great idea. We'll definitely do that. I'm making a suggestion to see whether they'll be willing to even hear me out before saying no. Um, and so, and once I get to know, and all this is happening before I give you a check, because tomorrow if you're like, listen, Sid, I don't really want your involvement. I want your money, but just leave me alone. As much as I would love that business, I wouldn't want to invest. With all due respect to the founder, I, that's, I want to get involved and support them. Um, emotionally, I want to support them uh, in any advice that they might seek, in any learnings that I've had as a result of learning about their business. I want that conversation. And so I, I would probably look to invest in someone who's also interested in 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 that kind of a relationship uh and so i'm i'm i don't we don't want to get and tell an entrepreneur um you know we invested our first investment was in Ferlenko, the furniture space i'm not going to tell the founder you know I've made some designs, by the way. I want you to incorporate them into your product roadmap. Here, this is really good. Don't question me. I know exactly what I'm doing. No, I have no idea. I don't know how to do logistics. I've invested, we've invested in a used automobile business, Droom. I have no idea. I mean, I want to say that I know cars, but I really don't know anything about automobiles. I'm not going to tell them how to build a marketplace. I, I understand it, but I'm not, I don't know. Um, so, I, I, uh, we're not, it's not my thing, but when they want my help, I should be able to have enough context to be able to respond to them. They shouldn't be having to have to explain to me what's happened in the last five months. And in, as a result, what do you think I should do? And me knee jerk reaction being hey, you should do this. No, 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 no. They should be able to say, what do you think about this? What do you think? And I should be able to respond. Like we're having an ongoing conversation. Uh, so I, I think that's really important. I, I was counting with Ferlenko and, and even our jewelry business, Melora, I was counting the other day um, how many meetings, we official meetings, forget about just conversations I have regularly with the founders, how many official meetings we've actually had um, in the time that I've been invested. Officially, we've had, I, uh, I think it's close to 1,500. Wow, that's a lot. I mean, can you imagine what happens after you've had that many conversations? I mean, that's not even counting the, the more casual conversations or WhatsApp chats. I mean, you get to know someone very, very well. Um, and that creates a very different foundation for um, how the founder can then trust or have have an ally um, in a very different way uh, uh, in their pursuit for uh, uh, success. Well, that's a lot of meetings. So you uh, 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 data all the meetings and everything. Sit. You know, uh, honestly, uh, Ashish, it's mm -hmm. 
say yes. We're also learning, right? Mm-hmm. There are minutes of the meeting, but it, I, it's not like we're using that data in any real form right now. Mm-hmm. But there is memories of that we can bring out to support other companies. Um, we had massive issues with digital marketing um, at Melora, um, you know, three years ago. Today, they're you know, their ability to understand how digital marketing functions and works and, and take advantage of it is, is amazing. And so now I've had an experience of a business that's gone from not at, uh, learning on the job as far as digital marketing is concerned from day one um, to, you know, day 10. And when tomorrow another business comes my way, I do have that information that I can share some of the learnings from that. Uh, which is very useful. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not sure how granular I can get with some of that data um, today. So uh, I, I think the, the point of the story was more to do with building a relationship and, and creating that trust and understanding of each other versus perhaps some of the more nuanced aspects of the learnings that uh, uh, maybe we could provide and we're not able to right now. Hmm. Right. Uh, Okay, that's great, Seth. So, I'll, um, moving on. So, in terms of the Indian VC market, right, the most of the exit has been through secondary sales. So, approximately uh, seventy-three exits, uh, such exits in twenty nineteen, and you know, uh, only a few deals went through public market sales. So, how do you see this trend evolving over the next five ten years? Uh, because ultimately. Uh, Public markets IPO give you much better premium than I assume through a secondary sales. I mean, you can correlate with your experience with Evolve if you want to. But what is your uh, perspective on this? How do you see the markets moving forward uh, in terms of acquisitions going public or your portfolio companies? I think we're, as an ecosystem, we're really young right now, Ashish. Um, I'll tell you, I, you know, uh, I think any one uh, any one event can change things. I think the Zomato IPO that's coming up, or the um, or the few IPOs that have just taken place um, in in short succession in, in the last couple of years, um, uh, both uh, in India as well as uh, of course in the in the global markets um, are uh, are all very positive things. Um, if direct listings come out tomorrow, that's going to be a very positive thing for the ecosystem. Um, there, there. I think exits are a uh, are an end goal. We're most of the businesses that are in India right now, valuation aside, um, are mostly very young businesses. If you take a look at some of the blockbuster exits that um, have taken place in um, uh, in the U.S., whether they're you know non-American companies or not, those companies have been around for a while. Uh, Coupon, did you see that one? Uh, mm-hmm. Now, Coupon like started in two thousand nine. Yeah, 
you know, uh, they pivoted twice before my fund, before I had a fund. <laughs> you know? um, now, I, businesses don't come up in five or seven years. It takes time. Why should they? And if they do, I mean, that's nothing to be, you shouldn't be looking at a business and go, oh my God, look how fast it achieved that. No, it, it's not a race. There's not a race against time here. You, the businesses which should and and you know it takes time for an entrepreneur to mature at a certain level it takes time to be able to think through what works and what doesn't you should want to make mistakes and evolve your thinking it takes 18 years for you to decide your child is now ready to go out into the world and and, and get an education outside of their home uh, it, it businesses aren't very different um, and, and so I don't think we've reached a level for the majority of businesses in our country to truly get to uh, a maturity to be able to go public. And that's fine. But they will. And I, I feel like we're in a rush to see it happen. We're like watching a popcorn movie, you know. Um, one of these Marvel movies or, or Transformer movies, or and and you're like, let's get to the, let's keep going, keep going. I need, I need a high. I need another high. I need another high. No, this is this is a long, patient game, where you know the need for headlines is less important, and the need for hard work on the ground is so much more important. These people are. Founders across our country, they're solving real needs. And the only thing we talk about is what is their valuation and how much did people make when they exited? No one talks about, although everyone uses it, no one talks about, oh my God, what are the fundamental changes that have taken place in our country as a result of the hard work that's been put in to make by these entrepreneurs to make that difference. I, I, the, I love these. Are we allowed to swear on this podcast or I don't, I just want to make sure because I sometimes it just comes out or you, yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite articles, my mom might listen to this. Now I better be careful. I don't know. Um, <laughs> She suddenly hears stuff of mine and she goes, see, I heard you. Why were you using foul language? This, uh, you know, these articles that come out saying this company uh, made this much revenue and then expenses surged to this much. Okay, dude, stop using their fucking app. You know, um, what do you... Yes, companies should make money. Yes, companies should... But I think we highlight things in very young businesses at a very young age and we make the ecosystem rather than trying to make it um, a community, we make it a competition. And that's really, really sad. Oh, this company's valued at this much. Oh, but that company's valued at this much. Oh, Zomato's got this five billion. Oh, but this five, this five billion over here is like, dude, they're not, why, you know, everything is not a competition. There, These people are trying to do something, do something so large 
change the way we live and eat and, and, and spend time. There's a lot going on here. And if you're not in their boardroom, you have no idea what they're doing and what their plans are. But you have no problem backseat driving or being a Monday morning uh, quarterback, which is meaning the day after the game took place. Um, so I, I think exits will happen, but that's the problem of that's you know that's a much, that's a problem that we have to deal with in our way. It's got nothing to do with the company. Um, the company needs we need to make big changes in our country. No one's doing it. Who's doing this? The only people making significant strides in this country are startups. Most of those startups are funded by private equity, whether that's, you know, venture capital, hedge funds, um, or even strategics uh, that are global. Unfortunately, most of that money is foreign. How sad is it that most of the fundamental changes happening in our country are funded by people that do not actually either live in our country or even use the same currency as we do. But there it is. And they are going to make a difference, but it's going to take time, as anything does. And when the time is right, the IPO markets will open up, the secondary markets will open up even further, um, and perhaps uh, other, other avenues of liquidity beyond that uh, will also open up. I, quite honestly, I, we're, I'm in no rush for that. Um, and I think anyone who's in the know isn't either. Um, I think people who understand that businesses, uh, these businesses are doing important work, um, understand that that important work will take time. So that's actually a very refreshing perspective to hear, especially coming from an investor. Since you talk about patience and co-building businesses, you've also talked a lot about women as entrepreneurs. You've talked about uh, regional differences in the investing circle. Uh, and we learned that you're a bad blood fan. Uh, what, what is your advice to your portfolio companies when it comes to a over-promising based on the bad blood novel, which is quite a read for aspiring entrepreneurs, as well as looking at their own organizational structures to ensure that they're not talking like Mr. Moritz from Sequoia or uh, that they're not working toward, they're not uh, on that in, uh, treadmill investor circle either. How are you different as an investor when you come, when it comes to guiding your companies to make sure that, you know, their growth is conscientious and credible both? <laughs> <laughs> I, how did you know that I like that book? <laughs> I, I, I read that a long time ago. I, I, uh, that was a while ago. Uh, I don't know, two or three years ago. Um, but it's quite a read. I, I mean, as anybody who wants to start up, uh, this is like one of those uh, cult novels of the generation to know about how somebody rose to a peak with absolutely no credibility, but the fall was just as steep. Uh, it's it's quite amazing to see the kind of people who joined that company's board and who were so invested in that dream that she was selling because there was no product. It was just an illusion. Uh, 
No, that, that's that's absolutely right. But you know, I'll tell you what excited me even more about that was actually the the the, the writer who's a journalist, um, John Carew. Uh, I mean, just look at the depth of investigative reporting that's taking place here. Um, and John Carew is just—I mean, how much time, effort, sensitivity went into. Um, both his articles, and he did a series of articles, and then bringing that together um, into uh, into uh, this book, um, I think uh, that you know these stories like um, uh, Theranos, uh, they're going to be around. I mean, there are others like that. I won't mention names, but I mean, I'm sure you you're aware. I'm aware of other stories like that, and it'll be there. Uh, but why you're starting a business? I, I think fundamentally that's the the key. And you can't get distracted or carried away with all everything else. Uh, I, in very few industries have this, or ecosystems have this kind of um, uh, interest from a public eye. Uh, you can get very famous very quickly without having done very much <laughs> in this industry. Um, and sometimes that can get to your head and you start believing the hype or paying attention to the wrong things. And you tend sometimes tend to either forget why you started the business in the first place, uh, and that can business can be venture capital. We're we're founders as well, right? I mean, we're as much a founder as any anyone else. We just founded a venture fund rather than an operate operating business. Uh, that's really dangerous. Not knowing why you founded a business, um, I, I, and I think one of the things that I try to remember or remind myself and then try to be there for my for the people that we invest in as well is just to be just to be there to say listen remember why you're here remember what you're trying to achieve forget about what everyone else is doing and it's very difficult to forget about what everyone else is doing because it's in your face all the time and it's in the it's in the face of all your employees all the time. Hey, listen, how that company's raised one hundred and fifty million dollars, two hundred million dollars. How are we not raising any? Why are we not raising any money? You know what? Oh, but that two billion dollar valuation, one billion dollar. When will we be a unicorn? We have to go raise money now. We have to spend more. We have to grow faster. That company's growing at two hundred percent. Should we be growing at two hundred percent? These things are and you can't blame. It's just impossible to imagine you. Any human being, um, you know, just having blockers, eye blockers, and, and not paying attention to the hype. Some people are like that. That's great. But you're ex I, I can't think for a minute and say, you know, I'm going to invest in someone that doesn't think about anything like this. Uh, I, I, I have to think at some point this is going to get under their skin. And I need to be there just – to let them know, no, 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 don't worry about it. And they need to be able to trust me enough to know I'm not saying it for the sake of it. I'm saying it because I care about them and I want what's best for them. Um, and 
and so I think uh, to a large extent that plays a lot and that's just one aspect but that plays a lot in in starting to build that trust building trust with any one person and you guys will know for yourselves um, is a journey and it's a constant uh, it's constant work you can't have done something three years ago that was really helpful and then not done anything for three years and then suddenly start giving advice. Um, you got to constantly be helping or showcasing that you want to help so that the other person, in this case for us, the, the founders, when the time comes that we want to tell them something that will be helpful for them and they don't realize it, they will, they'll be ready to listen and vice versa. Founders tell me stuff all the time. I'm like, shut up, man. Uh, I'll be like, yeah, okay. You know, the, uh, just yesterday, I won't mention her name, but the guy will know. <laughs> uh, yesterday, I was asking uh, one of my founders, uh, one of our portfolio uh, CEOs, um, uh, <laughs> I was like, will, uh, referring to his company, I was like, will you be able to do that? And, you know, uh, will you be able to do this? And he's like, Sid, it's not you. It's will we be able to do this? It's not you. It's we. It's not you. It's us. He's written this down, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. I meant that. I'm sorry. But I also know that he's saying it out of love. He's not saying it to be like, listen, dude, relax. He's saying it like, Sid, don't forget. And that's absolutely right. And I should be able to take that and, and as I did, and he should be able to take it when I say it to him. So uh, I, I think, um, uh, you know, black, bad blood, is, that'll happen in, in certain cases, no matter what. But in some cases, it doesn't need to happen. And, and I think if we can help um, mindsets, just as they're about to move, just bring them back in that support, just a little bit. The most of the work is being done by them, but just a little bit of support just to get them back and let them know, no, 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 don't worry about that. Uh, I think uh, that'll be a good job done. Um, yeah. Interesting story, Sid, definitely. And um, what is your take in terms of, um, when we were discussing just a few questions back, um, there are, I mean, Indian ecosystem is still at a very nascent stage. But, uh, for example, uh, in US, we have SPAC, and there are a few Indian companies which were, uh, in the news at least, they were uh, thinking of going through SPAC to, to go public. So what is your thought or what is your perspective on in terms of a loss-making business going public? I mean, is it the right strategy? or uh, Because definitely you uh, investors or the early investors or venture capital firm will not be getting the premium as much as they wanted to because still uh, the bottom line is in red. So what is your uh, thought on this? So there's two questions. So you're asking what do I think about SPACs hmm. and you're asking what do I think about companies that are not profitable going public. Right. So let me, let me take the SPAC question first. Um, and I think this, it's important. It, it, I think it's important to, to realize that 
SPACs have been around for a while now. Um, it's not like it's just suddenly come about. And it's, it's now become a, there's a lot of money being th thrown um, uh, around in, in the SPAC world, but it, it's not that um, mm -hmm. um, they haven't been around. I like any opportunity that gives a business multiple ways to get liquidity. Um, and I don't mean to liquidity as in um, selling shares, uh, investors selling shares. I mean, being able to raise capital. Um, I don't think there's been a, a, enough of an evolution in the ways people should be able to be able to raise capital in order to grow and build businesses. Um, if you if you kind of go back in time, the majority of people who wanted to, um, uh, you know, start a company uh, in India, they'd have to go to a bank, right, and get a loan. Banks would take something of yours to give you that loan and would be extremely, extremely careful. Um, and you'd have to build your business in a way mm -hmm. that you could pay back the loan. Right. So it, it determined the, the, the journey that you would take. It, it determined the journey that you would take as a business. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it was the only journey you could take as a business. Unless you started then doing certain things um, uh, that nefarious sometimes <laughs> uh, in order to scale faster. So you had to, I, I'm using the word jugad as a very vague term here, but you know, the, the, the reason that a lot of jugad takes place in our country is because access to scale, uh, capital to scale was also few and far between. The, the ability for you to take money without the headache, the, the, the uh, you know, the, the headache is a wrong word, but the, 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 uh, the burden of returning it specifically um, or, or over a specific period of time allows people and having access to lots of that allows people to build a business faster um, scale it faster technology allows you to scale it even faster so money and technology together is like a double whammy you're only loss making until you start making money and so if you're if someone's funding your losses in order for you to be able to build your business out in order to prove that the business makes sense in order for you to then make money. And there is some sort of, um, uh, roadmap for that. So be it. If in the midst of that roadmap, you decide that rather than taking private equity, you want to take public money or money from the public markets. Uh, and you can explain that same roadmap to that larger audience. Sure, why not? Um, public investors, investors in the public market are 
to a, to a large extent, are very forward-looking investors. Uh, you start looking at some of the, I mean, whether that's, you know, a DoorDash or, you know, you see, you spoke about, I'll come back to, you know, the SPACs in a second, but take a look at Kazoo. They just went public. They're looking at calendar year 23 multiples, <laughs> growing at 150% year on year. Someone's got to be convinced that that's possible. If you can convince them and, and how do you convince them? By having enough data to be able to showcase that that's possible, then absolutely go public. Um, it's it's one more way for you to be able to um, to find the capital that you need in order to realize the eventual vision of your business. Um, SPACs gives you that opportunity in a fast food manner rather than needing to go to a really fancy restaurant and having a 10 course, you know, French meal, I'm not going to McDonald's and being able to do it. Um, and I think that's, that's great because everyone can't go through a 10 course meal. You kind of, you, 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 you want to evolve the way that people get access to the public markets. It's, it hasn't changed in 100 years. Uh, and it's ripe for change. Why shouldn't it change? Our ability to give private money has changed over the years many, many times and evolved and, 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 and gone through so many changes. Why can't the same thing be done in the public markets? There's no hard and fast rule. Human beings are making these decisions. So I, I'm 100% in favor of, of giving companies an opportunity to be able to go public I, and, and making the mistakes in, 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 uh, in their own fashion. I, the, the markets are going crazy right now. And, and quite honestly, the, the SPAC markets specifically are so up and down. It's not even funny. It started off with a massive bang. There's still like, you know, what, 80 billion, 90 billion, 100 billion dollars out there that, you know, that uh, uh, is available. Um, a lot of companies that got funded are, you know, 10 years out <laughs> outlooks. <laughs> uh, maybe that will change. Uh, but uh I personally believe if a fund, if a company is fundamentally on the right track, um, they are you know maybe at a value of somewhere between a billion and a half and five billion dollars, um, and with a with strong growth and a and a reasonable path to profitability, uh, uh, a SPAC is a great opportunity for you to create liquidity uh, and have access to uh, the public markets. Uh, and, and absolutely, you should take that opportunity if you can. Uh, and I'm hoping that the, the government here will, um, will open that up so that companies that are Indian um, can also try to use that route and not have to, like Renew did, kind of move to Singapore and, 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 and leave, in, leave India uh, as a domicile and, uh, and then and take their route. So... It's a very long-winded answer, but I like SPACs. 
since, since we're talking about the Indian ecosystem and how you anticipate or rather hope for some positive change when it comes to supporting disruptive business models, disruptive ideas and give them the patience and, you know, the space to fail but then succeed eventually. Your latest investment is uh, with InnerR, which is a mental health platform. And staying true to our name and behind the deal, we were wondering if you could take us through the entire process with InnerR, from hunting to finalizing that process. And also, how does this add to your portfolio strength? Because mental health is not just a medical dilemma in India. It's a social taboo, even amongst the most educated parts of the country. So investing in a company which is advocating for mental health would have been a risky decision, one would assume. So, okay, let me take your second question first. I, I honestly don't think it's as much a social taboo. I think it is a social taboo between generations. But within a generation, I don't think so. Um, I mean, between the two of you, have you ever spoken about mental health? Uh, I, I doubt sure. it. You haven't spoken to Ashish about the idea of mental health? Uh, it, I don't think it's ever come up. Um, no? So we, we should be asking you these questions. <laughs> How have the tables turned? I'm, I'm asking because you're, you're in a certain generation and I mean... I, I feel like uh, you're getting nervous. <laughs> you're like, no, don't ask me these questions. Spoken like when it comes to mental health with your parents, with your friends, we do have these conversations regularly, but not in the context of you know the podcast. I do get it that you know people are talking more about it through Instagram and whatnot, but. If, uh, since I, in a very different light, the social taboos. You know, we had this conversation about sanitary pads and how sanitary pads are a social taboo. They're not a social taboo. They're a social taboo amongst a certain certain Indian. Um, and it's perpetuated by um, advertising and certain conglomerates. That's it. And our country is, that's our country 10 years ago. Not our country 10 years from now. Fuck, it's not even our country two years from now. Um, we, we don't live, we're not, my kids are not growing up in a country of social taboos. Um, my, my daughter, uh, knows that I've invested in Nua. She's six years old. Uh, Nua is our, uh, our foray into, uh, feminine health. Um, and, which include which started off as a product. Uh, the first their first product was a, a sanitary pad. She knows it. She knows what they do, and she understands that when she comes to a certain age, that she's going to need it too. Now maybe she doesn't understand the nuances of it and what it all means, but she knows it, and she's happy to bring it up in conversation as much as she's happy to bring up Flinto, which is our um, foray into children's boxes. Uh, subscription boxes. Um, she doesn't feel any shame or uh, about talking about it in front of my son who's seven years old or, or, or I, and my son has no problem bringing it up. Um, now, 
it's possible that like if I meet some uncle of mine and you know maybe we shouldn't bring it up in in conversation but that's the problem it's not not to do with my uncle as much as my uncle is the past uh, we invest in companies for our future social taboo isn't the reason to or not to invest because society especially in a country like ours is changing so fast it's changing before our eyes god do you know the most frustrating fucking thing that i in my life uh, and there's a lot of frustration in our country but I, I i just can't get out of this this do you remember those fair and lovely commercials mm-hmm. yes painfully yes can you remember those, can you imagine those fuckers played those commercials today we would raid them they would fucking die but it's still there it's called fair and handsome now so they thought it was a gender issue they i but the way that they've done have to do it now it's just come and, and you know the this um uh what is it called sugar made a made a april fools joke about them um i don't know if you saw that it was very clever but these the, the our generation is our generations are moving very quickly they're moving away from this stuff and we're building companies for the future and i think that's such an important thing to remember when you're starting to invest we're investing in a business whether we're in that business or not that business is going out 30 years it's 2050 what is india going to look like in 2050 and will we have been able to been a part of that change so uh, definitely not investing in what india looks like you know forget about 5 years ago it doesn't look like today or even tomorrow so uh and hopefully companies like nua and companies like um inner hour uh, will uh, will be part of that new conversation and uh, and others like it there's we're not the only ones investing in either one of those industries um but they they'll be able to kind of be part and you know of whatever change has or is taking place um uh there should be no social taboos uh unfortunately it they're you know uh, they're here because of the past but uh um that's what we're here to change along with being able to uh get you food to your doorstep <laughs> what what was the second part of your question how did we think about inner hour no uh, if you could just quickly walk us through the hunting and finalizing process since you take time with your companies so um amit and neha who co-founded inner hour how did they approach you or did you approach them what were the conversations like and how did you finalize your investment with them sure so normally a partner gets introduced in most of our deals someone introduces us says this is a company you guys will really like and if we trust you know you trust that person enough to say you know i um yeah sure I, because i like you a lot i'm going to uh, uh and you know me uh then if you're introducing me to a company then I probably like that company as well um or there's a better chance than a company randomly approaching us um 
and uh, liking and us liking them. So a lot of our deals come through introductions. In this case, um, I think Sandeep was introduced uh, to that team, and um, uh, and he met. So he met them, and I think you know we were very lucky. Um, we met them prior to COVID, and so we had a chance to kind of interact with them, spend some time with them, um, understand what they were trying to do, get to know their background, um, understand, learn the space. Don't really understand what the space looks like. Um, so we dive in and do our own research um, on what the space looks like, understand how they see the space, why they see the space certain way. Now, when you dive into a space, it's not about just it's one, one thing is to understand the space at 40,000 feet. So un, get as much information as, okay, what does mental health mean? But another is, well, what are they trying to solve in mental health? So, and why that? Like, why are they solving X and not Y? And why are they not solving Z? And should they be solving all three? Or should we be solving two? Why are they only solving one? And diving into what that is. And then when you start getting deeper and deeper and deeper into this, you start having more questions for them, not to question what they're doing. Because if you start questioning what they're doing, then fundamentally something is wrong. <laughs> but you're questioning to learn more, get comfort. We are all about X factors. I think that's a really big deal. Um, we don't have all the data. Uh, I love this, uh, this uh, John Mayer and Keynes quote. It's better to be roughly right than precisely wrong. Now, he meant that for business. Have you guys heard that quote? I have. Yeah. So he, I mean, he obviously meant that. And for businesses, um, he meant that for a different reason. Uh, and uh, Charlie Munger says it a lot. He uses that a lot. Uh, Charlie Munger works with... Um, yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, what, what I... One of the things I got out of this is it doesn't matter how precise your methods and metrics are if you're asking the wrong questions uh, or you know not doing the research at all the exactness doesn't matter you know <laughs> um, so you need to know what to ask and you need to know that every question you ask isn't going to have an answer and it's okay and you have to get very comfortable with not knowing um, all the answers uh, and making decisions knowing you don't know all the answers, not trying to fit in answers and logic where it doesn't belong in order to, to say something. And I think that's exactly what it was with Inner Hour. We, we, didn't know, we don't know all the answers. They didn't know all the answers either, but they knew enough for us to get comfort that one, they really cared about this space. Two, they really understood why they wanted to do what they specifically had put together. And and that and then do they want to work with us? And we were lucky enough at a time, you know, that one could physically meet and spend that time. We had to learn how to do it without that for another business. Um, but for this particular business, we, we had that opportunity and it was so important because, you know, both Amit and Neha have lived through this as much as, from a personal standpoint, as much as have worked in this field and 
that's such a big deal um, because then your understanding of what is needed is that much more important. Uh, I had a similar experience with, you know, Saroja, uh, who's the founder of Melora. I don't understand anything about jewelry. Um, and the first few times we met, it was just her explaining jewelry to me. Like, this is what jewelry is all about. This is how this happens. This is how this happens. So, you know, I always tell her it's like a one-on-one class on jewelry because she spent so much time building and scaling as part of their senior management team at Tanishq that she was able to see where, not that Tanishq missed the boat, but where they were not concentrating, but was important for the future. And, and there was a, there, you know, there was a love for it. Oh my God, I really want to do this. This is, I've realized this over years of my life. Amit realized this over years of his life, writing books, creating uh, functions, uh, running, running organizations. Uh, Neha understood deep in her soul because of her own experiences what was needed. It's almost like injecting yourself with a virus, in, you know, like in Mission Impossible, <laughs> to, to come up with the cure, right? Like Neha literally, so now you have these two people that care so deeply and have gotten so uh, granular in what is needed uh, that you're you're starting to then, you, you know, research that. You're not just researching healthcare and mental health in general. And now you're having very, very uh, core conversations on why this, why not that. Things that maybe they have thought about and they respond to, things they haven't thought about and they come back on. And we don't need the answers. We just need to know that they're thinking about it and they're the right people to think about it. And that's what makes you want to invest. They'll figure it out. We're not going to have all the answers. We've almost never had any answers in the very beginning that are, and if we said we have answers, most of them are always wrong. So... We, we don't even try anymore to have all the answers. I think we can go on and on. <laughs> uh, it's too interesting. So uh, to wrap it up, you know, to just some final last couple of questions said, any regrets, any deals you missed, you know, you saw uh, which came to your table or which, which you were referred to and, uh, and then uh, you didn't make an investment into and which you regretted later on or any other experience you want to share with us? Uh, I don't really look at the, I mean, like, look, most companies that have done really well at some point or other, we've met them <laughs> and not invested, but I mean, that's okay. That I mean, we're not in it. We only making a small number of investments. And so we're, we, we walked into this business knowing we're not going to be able to do everything. Right. Um, and that's fine. Uh, I don't have any regrets. I would regret that someone else would, if someone else hadn't invested. I think they're great businesses that, that could have been great businesses that we didn't invest in because of whatever reasons. And no one else invested in either. And then they died. Those are much bigger regrets in my mind. But you wouldn't know any of their names. Uh, so there, it's pointless to bring that out. But those are much bigger regrets than businesses that I could have put money in. But I didn't. If I could have put money in, I would have put money in them. Um, there was obviously something that was, in my mind, too much of an X factor or from a timing issue something or whatever. 
Um, so uh, I, I don't I don't see those as regrets, but I do regret some businesses that could have really made a difference in the country, um, in a specific industry, to people that live here, um, to us, um, that we didn't invest, and in. unfortunately, the world won't be able to see it because no one else did either. And and from an entrepreneur perspective, um, what is more important? I mean, we frequently keep hearing. I mean, so let me put it the other way. So from an uh, removing your VC hat and putting an entrepreneur hat on. So from an entrepreneur perspective, uh, what is more important, product or distribution? Oh, I, I would one hundred percent product, and and I it's unfortunate. It's so it's funny that you bring that up because. Um, at always in the beginning, it's product. Even for these companies that have taken advantage of a distribution system in our country, at some point, product was important. Mm -hmm. They didn't do much with the product. That's different over time. But at some point, product was the most important thing, more important than distribution for them to get the product. Who, whatever time in the history of those businesses, always product came first. Um, and then distribution. Um, now, as soon as you have, and you know, Steve Jobs, you say this really well, as soon as you have a sales guy as the head of the business, distribution becomes more important. But most companies are founded by product people, not distribution people. Um, they're, so, and, and we'll see distribution, you give it a few years, it's already changing. Direct-to-consumer companies are much more bold now than they were two years ago. Just two years ago. You give it another two or three years, you'll see a very different market. You give it another five, seven years, and we're going to have a playing field that is uh, upside down. Um, the one thing that the internet is doing is it's leveling a playing field that no one thought possible. And right now, they're, they're sticking to their guns as far as there is no way that so-and-so in such district, in such state is going to have access in the way that they do right now in my distribution. It's all broken. It's all broken. And um, this is going to get fixed really fast. Uh, five years is, is this, right? It's, it's nowhere. So it's, it's distribution is not going to be an advantage um, to anyone. It's going to be product. And Wow. I mean, that's a great way to end your podcast. Can you imagine telling your parents or your grandparents that we live in a country where we as customers are paying, not the big conglomerates that push things down our throat? Because they would never have pictured that. Now, Chalta hai should be taken out of the, ver the, 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 the vocabulary <laughs> of, of everybody who lives in our country. We will never, if the internet does one thing, if the startup ecosystem does one thing, we should never be able to say that. They should never be able to just say, okay, I'll just deal with it. So um, product. Since we've spoken so much about timing, I have one final question, but it has a couple of components to it. Uh, you've mentioned how valuations are a mindset, the importance to pivot. And at the same time, you don't necessarily talk in quintessential investor terms about moat and 
you know the executive strength of the team you look at the entire thing from a very holistic point of view uh, where do you see the startup scene in india moving towards and like you rightly pointed out earlier yourself that most of the innovation is actually happening at the entrepreneurial level they're the ones who are pushing the envelope if somebody wants to start a company which doesn't necessarily align with what the market wants today how would you recommend a founder go about uh, delivering upon that product like how do you create a market for that and this is coming from both you know your experience as an entrepreneur and now as a fairly experienced investor how would you because you no, sorry sorry very very experienced investor very experienced i'm sorry that was my bad, <laughs> my bad. extremely experienced extremely wise investor um yeah sorry go ahead you can repeat your question with me of course yeah. so in your biased opinion or sage advice what is your sage advice to really? those entrepreneurs who are struggling to a put out that product for a small market because they're creating a market or b um, you know might just die down because they can't bootstrap it as you said that there are a couple of companies whom you feel should have received an investment but didn't and in fact if i'm not wrong you and sandeep referred one company called green dust to mumbai angels and they did get a small investment from them as well because you believed in them but it wasn't something that lightbox would have wanted to take forward uh, how would you ask them like how would you guide them hang in there um this is you know this is not here's the the it's a the good and bad of right now because we're very young from a from a funding ecosystem um uh the good is that we're 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 making we're making investments in the low hanging fruit um we don't need a new mouse trap um we don't need to invest in we so uh, you know uh in america most of the things that people are investing in are you know looking to the future you know autonomous driving and 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 how google came up or facebook came up we're not investing in the next facebook in india right now because there's so much to invest in just to fix the things that are that are that are that we believe are fundamentally wrong and we can make we can make that difference a lot of them you know a lot of those investments are taking place and as a result of that there isn't very much money going into what um to to things that are not in that bucket uh and so finding the the right investor to look at something that is perhaps uh not a low hanging fruit but still very valuable and a very important problem either to fix or a large space that people are not realizing um can exist in the future uh is is difficult um and unfortunately our ecosystem has to develop from a funding standpoint to start looking beyond the low hanging fruit um and uh, because and and that's that's that'll happen it'll happen faster than you think because there're many pools of capital today venture is a very small part of the ecosystem that puts money in 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 startups i'm so excited about how family offices in india indian wealth is going into this industry venture capital is mostly foreign wealth right 
it's not it's got nothing to do with Indian wealth. Uh, it's foreign wealth coming into India, but in family offices, which is the the size of which is twenty times, thirty times, hundred times bigger than what venture capital is in India, is now coming in, and they're investing in many different stages. They're not putting five hundred thousand dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars checks. They're putting ten million, twenty million, thirty million, forty million, fifty million dollar checks, and that so that'll drive a lot. Um, there are you know uh, corporate venture capital. That'll drive a lot. Again, Indian corporate venture capital. It's all. It'll all come about. Everyone will have a place, just like they do in evolved markets, such as the U.S. or um, or others. Um, it to give whoever is looking for money some money. Uh, because they really like it, and 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 the and and the pools of capital as they grow in size and scale will start becoming more and more specific in their uh, in what they're looking to invest in. Um, but it will take time. Um, it's not going to happen right now. The key I've always learned on this business, and even for us as venture capitalists, because we have to raise money as well, right? You can't ever knock in enough doors. You cannot knock in enough doors. You don't know where this money is going to come from. Uh, and you can't not like raising money if you decide to go down this road of raising money. you you got to keep going because it's out there. Your investor for any business is out there. The problem is how much time it will take you and how much resources you have. That's wonderful, Sid. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Sid. Thank you so much, Sid. Thanks Take a lot. Take care.